Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Hog Hoops Live, the sister show to Hog Sports Live, hosted by Curtis Wilkerson, who has just a strong basketball knowledge. He's our Razorback basketball and recruiting analyst. He's from Macquarie, Arkansas, so you know he knows the Hogs inside out. He's a former NAIA player, NAIA coach, and NAIA administrator, also formerly with Busting Brackets and with uh, Prep Hoops. So he's been with us for about half a year, does a fantastic job, and is going to do a great job on this podcast. So be sure to look out for Hog Hoops Live, streaming weekly on Facebook Live. You can also catch the show on YouTube and anywhere you get podcasts. Curtis, take it away, my friend. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live, episode number three. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me alongside Trey Biddy and Danny West on the team at hogsports.com. Today on the show, we got a lot of things to talk about, even though it's been a little bit of an off period for the Hogs who haven't played a game since Sunday. But we're going to talk about what we've learned about this team throughout their 6-0 start. We're going to preview two important upcoming you know, key non-conference games for the Razorbacks against Oral Roberts and Abilene Christian over the next couple days. We got some news on a couple incoming Razorbacks. All that and more. Thanks for joining us today on Hog Hoops Live. Okay, everybody. Before we get started, as always, I want to talk to you guys about how to watch. Uh, if you're, if you're joining us right now, if you're with us, obviously you're on Facebook Live. You can find us on the Hog Sports page. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that. Give us the thumbs up, like the page, and join us there. Uh, Hog Hoops Live has its own YouTube page where all these videos are posted after the content is complete. So make sure you hop on there and subscribe to that as well so you can come back and watch the videos if you, if you happen to miss them for some reason. And then if you're a podcast person and you like to listen, you can find us on all those platforms. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, hop on there, give us a five-star review, throw a comment our way. It helps us generate traffic. It's a good thing for the algorithms. A new show, we're trying to generate uh, some traffic there. So if you do that, we definitely appreciate it. Before I start, I, I do want to give a shout out to Hog Sports. I mean, yeah, I'm glad we're about to talk a little bit of basketball, but football just went through National Signing Day. Uh, big shout out to what Danny West our main recruiting man did. I mean, the, the content he put out and the way he followed that and put it together uh, was really incredible. If you're not a subscriber to hogsports.com, what are you waiting on? Uh, he's absolutely the best in the business. Uh, I don't know that he slept much over the course of the last few days, uh, but really did a tremendous job. I know I got excited when it was basketball signing day and they signed three guys. Uh, and I remember the work that went into that. And I think the football team signed 23 
if I was him, I'd probably hibernate throughout the weekend, but he's been on our premium message boards, you know, cranking out the post national signing day chat and, and filling in our subscribers with information there uh, for about 36 straight hours. So at some point, the man is going to get some rest, but big shout out to him. Big shout out to Trey Biddy for the content he's been putting out covering that as well with his recaps and analysis. That's all really great, great stuff and all the more reason to join us at Hog Sports. Okay, let's talk some basketball. All right, Arkansas is 6-0 okay, for the second time uh, in two seasons under Eric Musselman. It doesn't get much better than that, right? Now, obviously, uh, the Razorbacks haven't played uh, the toughest schedule in the world to date, and that's that's no fault of their own, okay? But it's it's true. Right? The strength of schedule has been lacking a little bit, but they've handled their business, right? They're six and zero, uh, as opposed to several large programs across the country who've been playing similar schedules and have taken a bump or two along the way. So, good start for the Razorbacks. Uh, you know, through the first five games, I I wasn't a hundred percent sure that we were able to learn a lot about this team, but the last time out against UCA, yeah, that's right, Central Arkansas, the team in, over in the middle of the state, uh, they challenged the Razorbacks, and I think we learned a lot about that group in that game. It was really the first time Arkansas faced some adversity. Uh, you know, UCA came out, those guys were fired up to come and, and, and play the, the big dogs in the state. Uh, obviously, it's a big game for them. Uh, there's always a little bit of added uh, excitement when it comes around uh, to playing an in-state school. That's why people want it to happen. And, and hopefully this is the start of many more of those types of games for all the programs. Uh, but, you know, UCA came out, they were red hot. You know, they jumped on Arkansas early. I, I think they scored the first six points of the game. They got out to about a 10-point lead. And I, I do remember it was 25-16 to 16 at one point. And Eric Musselman called a timeout. And if you've been following Eric Musselman, um, you know that the man typically – uh, doesn't like to call timeouts. So uh, he did that, which was very interesting. Um, kind of got the troops rallied a little bit, I would have to say. And, you know, from there, Arkansas really, I thought, handled that adversity well. Uh, they put together a 20-3 to run. Didn't try to get, you know, all 10 points back in one shot, which is what you see some teams do when they fall behind a little bit. Uh, so I, I thought that was good. Uh, they weathered the storm. They wound up getting a lead, a six-point lead at halftime, and, and they kind of had things under control. They got back out in the second half, built that lead up to, you know, 14, 16 points, and you're thinking, all right, Arkansas has got it covered, right? Wrong, okay? UCA wasn't going away, and this is a team that shoots the three ball very well. They play at such a fast pace that they can put a run on you pretty quick, and they did. So they cut it down to, I, I think it's close to six eventually, and, you know, that's kind of that point where the momentum has shifted, You've got one of those small schools that's smelling an upset, and they feel pretty good about things. Uh, and we've seen some of these bigger schools, even SEC schools, kind of fold up uh, and start playing really tight, and that's how you get upset. Arkansas didn't do that. Okay? Those guys remained poised. They faced the challenge, and they really you know, ran off another impressive run in the final 10, 12 minutes of the game and wound up winning 175. So they pulled out a 25-point victory which was impressive considering the circumstances. You know, I think they needed that, uh, no doubt about it. It seemed like, you know, through the first five games, uh, although Arkansas had been playing really well and, and kind of blowing teams out, which is what you like to see, they were almost on cruise control, right? It, just, it almost seemed like they were going through the motions. But in this game where they were challenged a little bit, you started to see more urgency, more intensity. Those are all things that you definitely want to see uh, prior to SEC play, which is coming up quick. 
you know, just thinking about a, a couple of the guys there, you know, Connor Vanover, he played 27 minutes in that game. And again, you know, UCA came in and they're one of the top 10 teams in the country in terms of adjusted tempos. That means they play really fast. And we all know Connor Vanover is not the fleetest of foot, right? But for him to be able to stay in and play 27 minutes in a game like that uh, and, and was huge for the Razorbacks, his plus minus was ridiculous in terms of when he was on the floor, Arkansas was extending and extending and extending that lead. Uh, that's big, okay? Because we wondered what type of minutes would he be able to play? Is it going to be a matchup thing every game with him where some nights he might play 10 or 15, some nights he might play 30? Playing 27 against a group like that, that's a pretty good sign for him. There's a huge difference when Connor Vanover's on the floor and when he's not. And, and part of that's because he's a really good player and he's really unique and, and he helps on both ends. On the other side, uh, they need some help behind him. And, and I think we've noticed that to a degree. And, and really, it's probably going to come from one of two places, right? Uh, either Vance Jackson, the grad transfer from New Mexico, 6'9", 230 pounds, Everybody was excited about him coming in because of his ability, kind of like Vanover, to stretch the floor and shoot the three. This is a guy that hit 53 pointers in each of his first three seasons, one at, at UConn as a freshman and then two at New Mexico. Uh, so you thought you'd get that from him, a big body that could maybe, you know, protect the rim a little bit, help out on the glass and things of those nature. He hasn't necessarily done that yet. Now, he did play better against UCA, got a few buckets inside, got a nice steal, and, and threw a really just pretty uh, transition alley-oop pass to uh, to Justin Smith for a dunk, and everybody enjoyed that. Uh, but you need to get some more out of him. Is he a guy that can back Vanover up at the five for significant minutes without a big drop-off, especially from a defensive standpoint? I don't know. Maybe the answer is Jalen Williams, the freshman from Fort Smith. You know, 6'10", he put on some good weight. He's really been the opposite of Vance Jackson in terms of he's been doing all the little things in terms of taking charges, defending the post well. He's coming up with some block shots. He's a volume rebounder. I mean, when he's in the game, he's going to start snagging rebounds. I mean, I'm sure his his per 40 rebound marks, I don't have it in front of me, but I guarantee you it'd be in double digits. So, uh, you know, do one of those guys emerge and, and really grab a hold of that spot behind Vanover? Because there's going to be some minutes there that are needed. And he'll get in some foul trouble and things like that, too. Uh, is it going to be a combination of the two? I, I don't know, but I think that's important for the Razorbacks to really start to determine over the course of the next two games before they get into SEC play. Jalen Tate, uh, the point guard, grad transfer point guard from Northern Kentucky, I thought he looked incredible against UCA. He's not even playing 100% right now. He's He, he rolled his ankle the game before uh, and is dealing with that. You can see him hobbling a little bit, especially when he had to move side to side. Um, also sounds like he had a, a finger or a hand thing going on, but he had 17 points, 11 assists, zero turnovers. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that from your point guard. Uh, really strong performance from him. And aside from the numbers, if you just watched the game and just watched him against UCA, it was really clear that things are really starting to click for him in terms of mastering the offense, developing the chemistry with his teammates. Uh, he looked really comfortable, and that was, I think, evident by some of the passes he made, just really threading the needles and hitting cutters and, and making some no-look passes and things like that. Uh, when guys start doing things like that, he had a little bit of swagger about him. You can tell that he's really locked in. That's huge for the Razorbacks. You know, Another thing to keep in mind, the offense obviously is a little sloppy early. 
you know, they've been running a, a, a different play to get Justin Smith open um, in the post on, a, you know, just for a for a good post up opportunity to start every game. Uh, and they've converted on it in every game until the UCA game. Uh, and, and so they turned the ball over there. They had turnovers on their first couple possessions. They got down six to nothing. The, the offense looked a little bit sloppy. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're less than two minutes into the game. Musselman turns to J.D. Note off the bench. He wasted no time getting a score in there off of the bench. And I think that's telling, okay? Uh, we really saw both ends of the spectrum from J.D. in the game. You know, Coach Musselman called him streaky at the beginning of the season. That's, that is absolutely true. I mean, he went two for nine in the first half and you know sometimes he's guilty of trying to do too much and and he'll force some shots but for the most part in that first half he was getting open looks on the perimeter and they were just rattling in and out but he did a nice job I think of of keeping his confidence in the second half his teammates remained confident in him he was really the catalyst there towards the end he he basically closed the game by himself uh, in my opinion by rattling off 17 of his game high 22 points over the course of the last seven or eight minutes. I think he hit, you know, a few threes there. He was getting to the rim. Uh, so that was, that was very interesting to see, you know, when you, you take a look at this team uh, and you wonder who's the go-to guy going to be. I mean, that was something that Musselman was unsure of coming into the season, right? Uh, who closes games when you, who are you going to be confident giving the ball to and saying, Hey, Go get us a basket. Last year, that was Mason Jones, obviously. This year, uh, who's that guy going to be? I, I think this team's a little bit different. Um, and I, I asked Coach Musselman about that because they've been so balanced. And he even brought up the point that the team has had five different leading scorers in six games this season. You know, I think you have five guys averaging double figures, a sixth that's really close to it. So it seems like you have a number of options there. And really what it boils down to is uh, I think – what exactly he wants to do there. Uh, so, you know, if you think about a guy that you need to create a shot, like Mason Jones did last year, where Muscle would give him the ball, clear out, maybe you come set him a ball screen, but you're saying, hey, freestyle, man, do your thing, go get us a bucket. It's, it's kind of like NBA teams, right? So uh, that's like the, the James Harden method. Okay, dribble, 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 beat your man, go score it. Well, this year that's J.D. Note. Okay, and, and it's interesting because he's coming off of the bench, but when they need that kind of bucket, uh, he's been the guy with the ball in his hands quite a bit there. Okay? So that's one option. And you think about other NBA teams like maybe the Boston Celtics under Brad Stevens that are a lot more involved with their offense and their sets and things like that. Well, then you need a shot maker. Okay, Not necessarily a creator as much as a shot maker. Well, that's Moses Moody. Okay? And, and, and Musselman alluded to that yesterday. You know, Just his length and his shot-making ability – uh, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, he's a threat to, to finish around the rim, 6'6", more athletic than he gets credit for. Obviously, he's a threat to knock down the three, but he does a really nice job of playing with high IQ, and he, he can create his shots off the ball uh, by moving well without the ball, by utilizing screens, and really does a nice job of finding and getting to his spots to get a quality look. That's great. He could be that guy who could make that shot, but to make that shot, somebody's got to facilitate it. Okay? So that's going to be Jalen Tate. Right? And, and Musselman alluded to that and just his ability to distribute. And, and you know, we saw it with the 11 assists and zero turnovers. But the way this team has moved the ball over 200 passes per game the last couple games, it's really, really good ball movement. And if they can execute at a high level 
and get a shot for a guy like Moody, that's another way you could close games too. So, you know, with a balanced team, the, the plus is you have a number of different options and a number of different ways to finish games. And I think that'll pay dividends down the stretch for the Razorbacks. So, you know, again, I, I thought the UCA game was a was a really good experience for them. They, they learned a lot about themselves. Obviously, you know, still plenty to work on as a team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, they've had time to do that. I mean, there's been an eight-day break between games, uh, plenty of time to work on some things. You know, a lot of, a lot of coaches love practice. Uh, I wasn't one of those guys when I coached, and, and Coach Musselman's not one of those guys either. Uh, it's almost a necessary evil to get you to the grand prize, which is game day. Okay? So uh, I think Musselman the other day, somebody asked him, you know, what, what do you think about this break? And he said, you know, do you, they asked him if, he, if you like it, Coach. Do you like having this break uh, between games? And he said, you know, do you like going to the dentist? No, I, I don't like it. Uh, so interesting there. You know, the timing, I think, is something that irks him in particular just because you get an eight-day break between games. Then you have two tough tests, and we'll talk about those in a minute, over the course of three days. And then you have another extended break because of Christmas holiday and things like that before your first huge test on the road at Auburn to open SEC play on December 30th. So, uh, you know, you have a break, bang, bang, two quick games, and then another break before you get to the real thing. So it's kind of hard to maintain rhythm and consistency when you got that going on. Uh, you know, obviously, finals week right now, so... Uh, with that going on around campus and, and things of that nature, it was kind of a necessary evil. Uh, but they have made the most of it, and, and Musselman talked about that. You know, they did this last year. They had an extended break. I think it was probably around this time, uh, and, and they took a portion of that time and called it a mini training camp, uh, which is, you know, essentially a, a fancy way of saying that they took the first half of the week to work on themselves because they didn't have to do a lot of game prep. So uh, in some ways that could mean, you know, having some guys who are banged up, being able to take a little bit of time to get healthy without getting too far behind. You know, Jalen Tate was a candidate for that. With you know, I talked about the couple things that he's been dealing with. Well, uh, he was having none of that. We asked 
Coach Musselman about him yesterday, and he said, no, he, he hasn't missed a minute of practice. So that's good. Sounds like he's healthy and, and that those you know lingering issues, maybe they'll be behind him, uh, which will be valuable. They're also able to add some new wrinkles uh, into their schemes. You know, he mentioned uh, putting in a new full court press, and, and we've seen a couple different looks from Arkansas so far this year. Added a new one, added some baseline out of bounds plays, and, and different sets and things like that uh, that are going to be more difficult to really implement and practice when you're spending so much of your time preparing for other opponents. So it'll be good for them to have those in their back pocket where they can turn to them down the road. Um, also spend some time, you know, working on maybe some areas of weakness, uh, like three-point defense, uh, which has been up and down this year. They were number one in the country at defending the three-point line last year. So far this season, they've been down a little bit. Um, they've had some games where they've really done well and held teams to one or two. They've had others where they've given up, you know, 13 or nine. Uh, three-point defense is going to be really, really important coming up on Sunday against Oral Roberts. The game's at 1 o'clock, by the way, at, at Bud Walton Arena on Sunday. Uh, Oral Roberts is an interesting team. You know, they're, they're picked second in the Summit League. They're 3-4 and four so far on the season. Uh, their three wins are all against non-Division I opponents. They played a couple NAI schools and I think a Division II school. Uh, naturally, they won those games handily. And then they they played four pretty tough opponents outside of that. They, they kind of got beat up on a little bit in their opener against Missouri, who... We'll talk about it a little bit later, but they're, I think, a lot better than people gave them credit for, uh, at least early returns this season. Uh, got beat up on a little bit there, and then their last game out on Wednesday, uh, they, they kind of took one on the chin against Oklahoma, who's got a pretty good team, and, and they usually do. But then they played Wichita State and Oklahoma State really tough. Both of those the five-point ball games uh, and really battled them down the stretch. So this will be a good test for the Razorbacks, probably a, a little bit of a step up from some of the other games that we've seen so far this year. You know, here's the deal with, with Oral Roberts. They have two really, really fantastic players, uh, and then they have three-point shooters all over the place around them. Uh, so it, it makes them a really difficult, difficult team to guard. Um, you know, just kind of taking a look at these guys inside the numbers a little bit. Uh, you know, they're ranked 188 in Kempom. That's not very good, but I think that's drugged down a little bit because they played some of that non-Division one competition. Uh, they're a capable opponent, no doubt about it. Um, averaging about 84 points per game, which is good. Um, you know, one thing is for certain those guys can shoot the three. Okay? So they're averaging just under 13 three-pointers made per game. They're shooting it at about 37%. Uh, that's a good clip. And if you go and take a look at some of the box scores, you know, uh, against Missouri and then against Oklahoma, they didn't shoot it that well. I think they were held to two threes in one game, maybe, maybe six or seven the other night against Oklahoma. But then against Oklahoma State uh, and Wichita State, I think they hit 13 and 16. So that's how you stay in games okay, against bigger opponents. If you're really knocking down the three, you can make up some ground. Uh, so, so we'll see how Arkansas defends the three-point line. Uh, you know, those, those two players for them to really keep an eye on, again, uh, Max Apesmith is their point guard. Uh, little guy, very speedy, very, very good shooter. I mean, this is one of those guys that, you know, you're going to put Jalen Tate on and try to use his his six six you know, frame and his wingspan to really disrupt his rhythm. He's going to have to guard him the full length of the floor because this is a guy that from the second he crosses half court, he's a threat to pull up and knock down the three, and, and he'll do it. So, you know, if, if, if they come out and set that ball screen in the half court, it doesn't matter where it's set. He can't go underneath that because this guy's going to pull up and shoot it. 
every time. And he's a really good distributor as well. So, you know, he's not just a shooting threat. When he can get into the lane and start drawing help, that becomes a problem for a defense when, when they have five guys around the perimeter that can shoot it. And you have to start helping, and then, boom, you, you have a kick out, and there's a wide-open shooter in the corner. So going to be a big assignment from Tate. Probably see a little bit of Desi Sills on him as well uh, from an on-ball standpoint. Uh, you know, you never know. Maybe Devo Davis could come in there with his length and athleticism and harass him a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how they defend him at the point guard position. He's averaging about 21 points per game. Uh, very good player. Okay? Then they have a forward to complement him, Kevin O'Banner. Uh, 6'8", very mobile, very athletic. He's a guy that's averaging just over 17 points per game and nine rebounds uh, for the Golden Eagles. He, he's kind of an inside-out guy where he can shoot the three. I think he's shooting it at about 40% on the season. He can put the ball on the floor and, and kind of attack off the dribble a little bit. He's solid in the posts and rebounding. Uh, can do a little bit of everything. That, that's a tough matchup for a guy like Connor Vanover. I mean, this this guy, Obenauer, plays the, the center position. I'm not sure Vanover is the guy to guard him. Uh, with as much movement and as mobile as he is uh, in the ball screen game, They'll have to be pretty creative in, in how they handle that. Uh, maybe you just kind of play drop coverage and, and let Vanover hang back and, and hope this guy's not hitting from three. It seems like he might be a little streaky. Um, I would personally put Justin Smith on him. Uh, I'm not Coach Musselman, right? But I might put a guy like Justin Smith on him who matches up with him size-wise in terms of athleticism. And then you can kind of hide Vanover. Uh, they do have a player, number 22, that's, you know, he's 6'7", 6'8", forward. Uh, not shooting it very well, not near the threat from three that some of these other guys are. You could hide Vanover a little bit on, on that guy and maybe use him more uh, as the person that comes down and helps and protects the rim against the five-out offense. So uh, it will be interesting to see what they do with him. And then, you know, some of the shooters around him, uh, you know, Kareem Thompson, Deshane Weaver, both of those guys shooting it at a high clip from three. And then R.J. Glasper, he, this is a guy that walked on at Arkansas, actually as a freshman, uh, transferred and, and did really well with Arkansas Tech. Last year, now he's moved back up to Oral Roberts and is doing a really nice job at, for them. So it'll be interesting to see him get out there and play a little bit as well. Um, you know, again, defense is going to be really important. Defending that ball screen, especially when they have Abe Smith and Obenor uh, involved in that at the same time. There's so many options, so Arkansas is going to have to be really disciplined there. Uh, and then offensively, though, I, I do think the Razorbacks will be able to score. They're going to have a big size advantage. Uh, this is a team in Oral Roberts that against D1 competitions, giving up about 85 points per game. So uh, I do think the Razorbacks will have the opportunity to score it on them. So we'll see how that one goes. But should be a should be a better test, should be an exciting game. And then really, you play that one on Sunday, you have Monday to kind of rest and prep. And then Tuesday, Arkansas welcomes in an Abilene Christian team that's really good. And, and, and I'm not trying to hype them up that way you guys watch the game. Uh, they're really good, okay? So, you know, coming into the season, I guarantee you I wouldn't have said, hey, I, I think Abilene Christian is going to be the best test in the non-conference. I, I guarantee you I didn't say that. I probably said, you know, North Texas or uh, maybe Tulsa before SEC play. Obviously, Oklahoma State is the best game. That's not until the end of January. Uh, but these guys have done a really nice job. They're 7-1 and one on the season. Their only loss of the year was a really, really tight road game at Texas Tech. We know Texas Tech under Chris Beard is a really talented team. They held those guys to 51 points in that game. I, I know Texas Tech likes to play kind of the methodical, slow it down, grind you out type of game, but 
to come in and hold a Big 12 team like that uh, of the caliber of Texas Tech, I mean, you just saw them against uh, Kansas last night in a barn burner. So that was a really impressive performance. You, you take a look at some of the numbers. These guys are excellent, Abilene Christian, defensively. Number 12 in the country in scoring defense, allowing less than 56 points per game. That's that's solid, okay? Uh, number 20, I'm sorry, top 20 in the country in three-point defense. Okay? So opponents are only shooting 25% from three against them. We know that Arkansas is a team that shot it really well from three in terms of percentage and makes this season. So kind of a, a, a battle of strengths there. We'll see how that goes. Uh, again, a solid team. They have a pretty deep bench. This is a group that plays nine or ten guys, regular minutes. They shoot the three pretty well as a team, over 35%. Uh, really balanced. It, you know, nobody on their team, as I look at their stats here, yeah, nobody on the team is averaging in double figures. They do have three guys that are sitting right below 10 points per game, 9.9, 9.8, 9.8. Uh, so kind of a balanced attack there. Really complete contrast of style from what we're going to see from Oral Roberts, a team that likes to get shots off quick. Um, shoot a ton of threes. They like to play at a faster play pace. Uh, not so great on defense. And on, on the flip side, you turn around, you know, in 48 hours and play an Abilene Christian team. That's the exact opposite of that. It's going to try to grind you down, frustrate your offense by playing some suffocating defense and score just enough to win. So uh, really, I think a couple of solid tests for the Razorbacks going into SEC play. The other good thing about it, you know, is these are two teams that have played against other good power five competition and, and so it could at least somewhat serve as and you don't like to compare and contrast too much because because every game's different but uh, it kind of can serve as a measuring stick for other voters who aren't really sure what to think of Arkansas yet just because they haven't played uh, a lot of top-end competition so uh, you know some impressive performances there and maybe all of a sudden we start to see Arkansas get some more and more votes in that AP poll and, and then maybe they can take off once SEC play starts I think in, in this week's AP poll uh, they had four votes, which is the most they've had, but still not a lot. And, and it's not an indictment on, you know, the potential of the team so much as it is. You just can't get a good read on them until you see them play some people. Right. Um, you know, the SEC, it, it's right around the corner. I mean, December 30th is the SEC opener. It's crazy. That's what happens when the season's pushed back two weeks. I mean, we've been playing uh, for just over three weeks and you're almost in SEC play already. That's crazy. You know, looking through this league right now, I do believe Arkansas can be a top five team in this group. Maybe better. Okay. Uh, again, it, it's hard to get a read, and, and teams have been up and down. But if you take a look around, you know, Kentucky has been an absolute mess, uh, more so than usual. They always take a bump or two along the way. But man, you know, one and four, it seems like they have a big game coming up this weekend. But uh, they need to start winning some games. They, they look uncharacteristically bad early on but if there's one thing you can guarantee they will improve the talent is undeniable coach Cal is a good coach despite some of his other faults uh, they're going to be in the mix at the end Missouri talked about them a little bit these guys are a surprise of the conference I mean bumped up into the top 25 here undefeated uh, wins over Oregon Wichita State big win against Illinois who's I mean I think a final four contender so really uh, off to a strong start at Mizzou, you know, this is the same group that they've had for three years now, for the most part, give or take a guy or two. Uh, they thought last year, because of that continuity, that they might be able to take a step forward, uh, dealt with some injuries and things like that to some key players. They've been healthy so far and have another year 
of, of that cohesiveness, which I think is really important in, in this crazy year of 2020, and it's paying off for him so far. You know, will that translate, you know, fully into SEC play? I don't know, but they're certainly off to a to a good start. Tennessee's finally gotten out of quarantine, and those guys have started to play some games. You know, they were picked at the very top of the conference early on uh, in the preseason polls. It, it looks like they belong there. Just very deep and talented team. They have a lot of guys returning. Uh, added some really talented transfers. They have two five-star guards. Um, you know, I, Rick Barnes has more guys there, and he knows what to do with. So, you know, uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on there. That's a big matchup for Arkansas early in SEC play. So they open up with uh, Auburn on the road on the 30th. Then you get Missouri at home on January 2nd. And then you turn around on, uh, I don't have it in front of me, the 5th or the 6th, and you go to Tennessee for a road game. So maybe not as battle-tested as you'd like to see the Razorbacks so far, but, man, uh, after the first three games of SEC play, there's going to be no denying uh, that, that these team, you know, this team has gone to war. LSU, another team that's extremely talented. They've been dealing, dealing with some COVID issues lately and, and having some game cancellations and things of that nature. Uh, very talented team. I mean, it, Will Wade can get those guys for whatever reason, uh, but but very good. You know, we'll see what the ceiling's like with them. Obviously, a lot of things going on at LSU right now. Uh, you know, off the floor. You know, really for the for all the programs there. So you don't know how that is going to impact things down the road. Uh, everyone's hot on Alabama coming into the season. They're just so reliant on the three ball. Uh, hey, if they're knocking it down, they're really good. Uh, you know, I, I think they can beat anybody when they're on fire from three. But when they're not, they're really really bad. So. Uh, so up and down that you can't really rely on them, I don't think. Uh, you know, and then Florida, a team that, that had a lot coming back and, and that they were, you know, uh, probably picked as a fringe top 25 team. Most most people, I think, had them pegged fourth or so in the league. Um, and I do want to talk about this for a minute. You know, we all know about Keontae Johnson, uh, really the, the star guard there for Florida that collapsed uh, during the Florida State game. Um, you know, I seriously can't say enough – how much it warms my heart to hear that he continues to make progress. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, he went from critical but stable condition to stable condition. Now he's, you know, breathing on his own, talking on his own and, and things like that. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what his future is going to hold from a basketball standpoint, but that's such a scary situation. You're happy that he's still with us. And, you know, so, so thoughts out to him and his family and, and really everybody over at Florida, that's a scary situation. You know, but before I joined, Hog Sports, you know, I, I coach and I taught at Lindenwood University. My bachelor's degree is in athletic training and sports medicine. So, uh, you know, teaching classes there, you know, we would take our students who were, who were training to become athletic trainers and, you know, we would take them through caring for that exact scenario over and over and over and over and over until it drove them nuts. Uh, but that's because it needs to be second nature because anytime a situation like that happens, one, you're caught off guard because because you never expect it. And two, uh, every single second is so important in terms of saving a life there. That immediate care, right, when something like that happens is just so important. Uh, you know, and, and there's no doubt in my mind if it wasn't for the job that, the, you know, the Florida State and the Florida med staff did, uh, you know, the situation might be a lot worse. So, so a big shout out to them for doing a great job uh, from an insider's perspective. That's, that's very good to see. Okay, back to some basketball. We do have some other news. Uh, Arkansas has added a walk-on for 2021. Uh, it made me happy to see this a few days ago. Local guy, Lawson Blake, uh, 6'10 forward from right here in Fayetteville, 
announced that he'd be walking on and, and joining the Hogs next season. You know, Lawson's a really, really good kid. I, I got to cover him for a, for a couple years, actually, when I was working as a scout for Prep Hoops over the last couple years. You know, in my opinion, you know, Lawson's a guy that's been a very much uh, under-the-radar type guy at Fayetteville. Uh, he was playing behind Tamari Relaford, who's a, who's a really good uh, back-to-the-basket post player for them. He's probably going to play, uh, you know, low-major type basketball himself. So Lawson was kind of stuck behind him a little bit. Um, you know, he really made a name for himself, I think, playing with AAO on the summer circuit, which is, you know, a collection of talent from right here in Northwest Arkansas. They were on the prep hoop circuit that I, that I covered quite a bit, really talented program. And, you know, I saw a lot of growth in, in Lawson from his junior season into his senior season. I mean, he's, he's 16, he's always been tall and wiry, but he really started to get a lot more coordinated, uh, started filling out his frame and there's a skill set there. You know, he's, he's a high IQ player. Uh, fairly mobile for somebody his size. I think he does a nice job as a screener and a rebounder. He's a good teammate uh, and was really starting to develop some better touch around the basket and, and in the mid-range with his jumper. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism or anything like that, but uh, you know, I evaluated, evaluated him probably as a, as a D2, maybe a low major type prospect. So the kid can play some ball, and I think he's really going to help the Razorbacks you know, in practice and and things like that will probably step into the role currently filled by Emeka uh, Obukwelu in that walk-on spot. So I, I think that's a, a pretty nice pickup there. Cool to have a local guy in. I think he's supposed to be at a uh, linkier uh, prep for a prep school year, but but joining the Hogs next season. So congratulations to him. And then Kamani Johnson. Okay, Kamani Johnson is on campus. So uh, the six-seven forward that's transferring into the Razorbacks from Little Rock. We we've talked about him. He was an all-Sun Belt performer for them last year, averaged 11 points, nearly seven rebounds per game. Uh, I, I said that you guys as Arkansas fans are probably going to like him quite a bit because he, he just brings something different that the team doesn't really have right now. He's kind of the toughness, physical, enjoys playing inside. You know, He's not a guy that's going to try to hang out and, and shoot a bunch of threes, so a little bit more tough and a less finesse type of player. Uh, he did arrive on campus on Wednesday. Um, he does have to wait for, you know, final grades to be posted and, and get through compliance and things like that before he can join the team and practice. Uh, and that was the plan originally. Well, then the NCAA on Wednesday you know, released the news that they were going to approve just kind of a blanket eligibility waiver for transfer. Similar to some of the things they've done, uh, you know, in terms of making this a free year of eligibility and things like that. Made a blanket waiver for the transfers, basically saying, hey, you know, if you've transferred schools, um, we're not going to make you go through this crazy waiver process and, and state your case and evaluate it all. You're, you're, you're cleared. You're good to go. So all of a sudden people started thinking, hey, does that mean Kamani's clear? Is he good to go? Well, no, not necessarily. Okay. So uh, because he was actually a, a mid-year transfer, he doesn't meet the criteria. So this is kind of meant for the guys who uh, maybe transferred in the spring or over the summer, They've been enrolled at their current school. They've been practicing with the team, and, and they haven't you know, gotten a waiver approved or whatever. They were just cleared, blanket waiver. A uh, little bit different situation for Kamani, um, just because he, he took classes at Little Rock this past semester and uh, you know has to transfer and get enrolled in and, and things at Arkansas. So he's going to have to go through that waiver process, which, as Razorback fans know, can be frustrating. And even as Muscleman knows, I mean, he talked about it in the press conference yesterday where – 
and we know this to be true, whether it's at Nevada or, or here at Arkansas, nobody takes more transfers and, and puts in more waiver requests than Eric Musselman and his staff, right? Uh, but nobody really has less success in getting those things done than, than they do, and, and he hasn't been able to figure out that process. I don't think the NCAA has been able to figure that process out. You know, at the end of the day, you know, for me in, in this situation, give the kid the damn waiver. Let him play, okay? Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I understand it was intended for those who transferred over the summer and have been in classes and, and things like that at their current school. Fine. If you're the NCAA, are you really setting a dangerous precedent by clearing Kamani Johnson to play at Arkansas in the spring? I don't, I don't think you are. Okay? To me, it would be one thing if he was on the team at Little Rock and he'd been practicing with them, uh, maybe playing in some of these early games, and then as soon as they announced, hey, we're, we're going to do this blanket transfer waiver, then boom, he pops in the portal, announces he's coming to Arkansas, and then tries to, you know, thinks he's going to play right away. Uh, that's one situation. Hey, but this is a kid who wasn't on the team this year. He announced his intent to transfer several months ago. Uh, he's been committed to Arkansas since October. He signed as soon as he could sign. It's been several weeks. Uh, what's it going to hurt letting him play, especially in a year like 2020? I, I really just don't – I just don't – I think it's a non-issue. Now he's going to have to go through the process. Again, I'm not the NCAA, but uh, hopefully he does get cleared and, and is able to take advantage of that free year of eligibility just like everyone else uh, who's in a pretty similar situation to him. Uh, I don't know if he could help the team right away. He's got to, There's a learning curve there. I mean, he's got to come in, get in game shape, develop chemistry, learn the plays and the schemes and things like that. But what I will say is there's a coaching staff that could make that happen quicker than others. Uh, it's one with, with kind of that NBA and professional flair like Coach Musselman and his staff. And then the fact that Kamani does bring, you know, kind of a different skill set that could benefit the team, uh, I wouldn't rule it out if he does get cleared. So it'll be interesting to see. Okay, I want to try to get to your questions and comments here. They're showing up today. How about that? I, I didn't have them last time. Let's take a look here. Daniel Elliott says, wouldn't it be better if Johnson set out this year? We seem to have the minutes covered already. Yeah, I, I, I could see it both ways, to be honest with you. Um, you know, like I said, there is a learning curve there. You know, similar to... The situations with Vanover and J.D. Note last year where they had to set out, I mean, those guys benefited a ton just from learning the system, getting familiar with their teammates and the coaching staff, practicing for a full year. Those guys are a lot better now because they did that. And there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, on the flip side, the minutes are kind of covered, but, you know, we talked about it earlier, behind Vanover right now, uh, there's still some question marks there. I, I, I do think that between Vance Jackson and Jalen Williams, you can have enough. But the other thing that, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen in terms of injuries. You know, knock on wood, is, is somebody going to, you know, get caught in quarantine or contact tracing or something like that. So I think in the very least, you want to have him available and, and cleared and eligible to play if he can. Let's see here. Donnell Poole says, let's go Hogs. I agree. Brandon Huckabee, love it, brother. What's up, buddy? Thanks for thanks for listening in. I appreciate that. Larry Vineyard says Musselman needs to play KK Robinson a lot more. Yeah, that's that's uh, man, that's quite the question, isn't it? You know, coming into the year, and and I'll admit I was one of those guys. Uh, I think I was probably a little bit higher on Jalen Tate than some others, but I did think that uh, you know Tate was going to be a guy who would really come in 
uh, kind of get things settled down as a as a as a senior with some experience at that point guard position, and kind of let a guy like KK Robinson take his time to get acclimated and get comfortable. And, and I really thought that maybe by SEC play or later in the season, there would be more of an even split in minutes between the two. And maybe it still is, but it does seem like KK's fallen off a little bit lately. Um, you know, I, I think some of it is he. I won't say that he's playing timid, but I think he could be a little bit more aggressive. He's probably a little worried as a freshman about, you know, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to get pulled from the game and things like that. I think it's keeping him from really accentuating his, you know, his best traits, which is being in attack mode, uh, you know, being a willing playmaker. And sometimes that comes with taking risks or, or maybe forcing the occasional shot. Uh, but he's a really talented player, so I hope that he does carve out a role. And, you know, the other part of that is, is that Devo Davis has been stepping up lately. Uh, just with his athleticism, his ability to rebound, and you know he had the the big game against Southern, so a little bit of a back and forth between those two in terms of you know who's been getting those minutes. So we'll see, but I, I definitely think the future is bright for KK. Larry Vineyard says top coaches never put their star recruits on the bench, and and you wonder why the Kentuckys of the world stay loaded. Yeah, it's. <laughs> You know, it's like a it's like a double-edged sword to a degree. You know, last season it was pretty easy to, to determine who was going to play and who wasn't. I mean, you only had nine scholarship players on the roster. Uh, I mean, it was pretty clear who the guy was and you know who who the who the backups were. Uh, this year, there's some truth to what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's a highly touted group. Any way you look at it, I mean, you you do have a returner in, in Desi Sills, and then you have a lot of transfers who are highly regarded, who you brought in with the purpose of helping you. And then obviously, you know, a top 10 recruiting class, that's a lot of mouths to feed. You know, we knew coming into it, there were going to be a couple guys who'd be unhappy with that role. At the end of the day, I think it's how you respond to it. Um, you know, are you going to pout and then, you know, let it affect your ability to practice and affect you when you do get your opportunities? Or are you going to keep your head down and continue to work? Uh, and then, you know, kind of make a case for yourself, similar to what Devo did. You know, he's, he's told us in interviews before that it was really difficult on him coming in as a freshman and, you know, being a little bit behind and trying to play catch up and, and you know, pass people in the pecking order. Uh, but, you know, Musselman said about Devo that he didn't flinch and he just kept his head down, kept working hard and has made the most of his opportunities. And, and that's really all those guys can do at this point. Jonathan Parker says, what's wrong with Henderson? Haven't seen him play. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think he's just one of those guys that's low on the pecking order at this point. I, I hit on a, a little bit a couple shows ago but you know with Henderson he's a guy that does a couple things really well in terms of being mobile and athletic so, so where he can run the floor and he's switchable um, in the ball screen to where you know in a pinch he can defend a guard on the perimeter a little bit and uh, you know he brings some some rebounding and a little bit of rim protection and that's that's good uh, at the same time you know you have other guys like Connor Vanover uh, and Jalen Williams, who maybe are a little bit more skilled offensively and, and diverse in their game. And Musselman's all about versatility, right? And, and I think right now that's what's hurting Ethan Henderson. Now, you know, last year he was kind of in a similar situation where he was behind guys who were kind of budding with talent like Reggie Chaney, uh, even Silla earlier in the year as, as a grad transfer they brought in that they thought would be able to help him. He didn't. Uh, but when he got his opportunity, he really started to shine. So, I, you know, I, the best advice for him is to take that exact same approach uh, going into this season. Hopefully he can get in there and, uh, you know, make the most of it when he gets his opportunities. That's all you can do. Uh, and then continue to be a good teammate. That's another thing I'll say about him. 
is, you know, Ethan is a, a junior. He's a guy, you know, aside from Desi, it's been in the program longer than anyone. And if you're at the games and you're watching, anytime someone hits a three or there's a big dunk or whatever, Ethan's the first guy off the bench, you know, celebrating and, and cheering the team on. Uh, and that's good stuff. You need those kind of guys on the bench. And, and those are the kind of guys who, when they do get their opportunity, and it's going to mean more to them because it's about the team and not just about the individuals. So I think that's good stuff there from him. Let's see. William Watkins says Vance Jackson is, has just been so inconsistent. Um, yeah, he, he really has. And to be honest with you, that's kind of the story of his career. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the year, you look at the numbers and he's always been a guy who winds up averaging double figures, you know, gets five plus rebounds a game, makes 53s, shoots at about 35%. So you think, okay, cool. You know what you're going to get out of him. But the thing with him has been that inconsistency where, you know, part of the excitement about bringing him in was he's a guy who really has the ability to take over a game. He does. And, and I, I hope that we get to see it at some point this year, because when he's locked in uh, from three, I mean, he's a guy that could rattle off six or seven in a game and, and score you 30 and win a game for you. I mean, he is that type of player. I know we haven't, we haven't seen it yet, uh, but I guarantee you it's in there. But then in other times, and, and this is the part of him that we have seen, unfortunately, so far, uh, is if that shot isn't falling you know, or something doesn't go right early, it kind of affects him. There's a trickle down there. Uh, and, you know, he starts to almost check out to a degree. And, and so that consistency is going to be really important, especially on the defensive end. You know, if you're not scoring, you got to make a, a mark on the rebound uh, part of the stat sheet and, and really be able to defend. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. Ethan Malone says, if we lose to Missouri, I'm going to lose my, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, normally I'd agree with you. Yeah. I will say, Obviously, Missouri's off to a really good start so far this year. Like I said, I, I don't know how deep that's going to carry over into conference play, but it's a team with, with a lot of good pieces and a lot of continuity. Uh, you know, Quanzo Martin, I think, does a really good job of, of getting his guys to play extremely hard. Um, I think, though, that that is a game that you have to win at home. You know, it's one thing maybe to drop that contest on the road. Uh, at home inside Bud Walton, I, I don't care where they're ranked. It's a game you have to win. So I agree there. See, Ethan Malone says, "What win gets us ranked?" Um, hmm. You know, I think I do think if you win these two games coming up uh, against Oral Roberts and Abilene Christian, you, you'll start to get a little bit more in terms of votes, uh, which will be good. So, you know, that's a start. And then, you know, I don't know that Auburn necessarily gets you in there. If, if you beat Auburn and Missouri. You're probably kind of knocking on the door, but I, I think you're guaranteed if you're able to go in there and knock off Tennessee on the road that, that you're going to make a significant jump because at that point, you know, it, it's really been about the voters saying, well, you know, does this team belong? How good are they? We don't know. They haven't played anybody. But, you know, if, if you take the performances so far and then put an exclamation point on it by beating Tennessee on the road, you know, it could kind of be like, you know, how Missouri jumped from being unranked to, you know, top 15 after beating Illinois. I think you could find a similar case there with Arkansas. Now, there's a lot to do. I mean, it's four wins you have to get between now and then, but it would be pretty cool to see them in that position where they'd be, uh, I guess, 10-0 and 0 going into that Tennessee game. Could you imagine? I mean, it's a, it's a shame that you wouldn't be able to have the type of crowd uh, that that game would warrant, but really would be a big-time matchup. 
Let's see. Caleb Simmons. Caleb, what's up, buddy? Went to high school with Caleb. Curtis, cool to see you in here. Are you a believer in Moses Moody as a top 10 draft pick so far? You know, I don't know about top 10. I, I will say, you know, I thought coming into the season that he was a fringe one and done type of guy. Uh, I think he solidified that in terms of I, I do see him as a first round pick. Uh, I think there's still some things he can improve on. Now, in terms of his length, kind of his moxie and the way that he plays, uh, obviously his shooting ability, uh, he's got he's got lottery pick skills there. Uh, you know, if he can continue to improve as a defender, I think he's been a plus rebounder, but if he can continue to improve as a defender and then really uh, start to hone in and just maybe get more opportunities to create off the dribble, uh, some scoring opportunities, which again, he's better at that than I thought he was or that I thought he would be at this stage, but continuing to improve in those areas and he could definitely push himself into the lottery conversations. So uh, really, really strong performance from him. I mean, he's been probably your most consistent guy on the team at this point. I, I don't think there's any argument about that. Okay. All right. Looks like that's all your questions. So I think that'll do it for the day. Uh, you know, like I said, hey, eight days off in between games, but there is a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, make sure that you tune into the games on Sunday. It's a 1 p.m. game on a Sunday. I don't play on Sundays very often, so make sure you take note of that. 1 p.m. on Sunday and then 7 p.m. on Tuesday, and then it's holiday break. I, I probably won't do another show uh, before the Christmas break. We'll try to fit one in, though, uh, before the start of SEC play to kind of get you primed up for that Auburn game. Uh, but, you know, if I don't catch you guys before then, really appreciate everybody taking time to, to join me today and, and listen into the show. We're excited about it. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you and your families. This has been Curtis Wilkerson with Hog Hoops Live. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.